I'm Elena Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Ilana. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. I have the great honor to speak to Malena de Montes today at a critical moment that is unfolding in Nicaragua, a moment the New York Times described recently as a campaign of terror by government-backed paramilitary forces, often accompanied by anti-riot police that appears to be calculated to cow citizens into resignation and has resulted in the death of over 180 people in the last two months, a moment when Daniel Ortega, the president of Nicaragua, and his wife, Rosaria Murillo, who is the vice president of Nicaragua, are responsible to a student-led uprising in an alarming and brutal way. Is this the Daniel Ortega of the 70s and the Sandinista Revolution that was supposed to bring popular democracy and peace to the country? Yes, and Milena de Montis was part of that effort, deeply engaged in the overthrow of the dictatorship of Somoza by the Sandinista Revolution in 1979. She was part of the party that came to power, led by Daniel Ortega, the FSLN, where she became the director of social planning. In 1989, she separated from the FSLN and started the Center for Democratic Participation and Development. Elena is here with me today to tell us about her feminist activism, her participation in the liberation of Nicaragua, and her opposition to that same leader today, almost 40 years later. Her work is far-ranging in scope and arenas, but the themes of feminism, women's rights, democracy, transformation, and transformative power run through as a powerful current. Elena has mobilized rural and urban women, been active at the ground roots and brought those realities to the international stage over and over. She's a leader, a feminist leader, a movement builder, a visionary, a grandmother, an educator, and today she's going to be our educator to help us understand what's going on in Nicaragua, history that she's been very much a part of, and the present, which she's also deeply engaged in. It's a real pleasure, Malena, to have you with us today and and a great honor. And I can only imagine how distressing this moment must be and how difficult. It's wonderful to have you with us. Thank you, Lana. I really appreciate your invitation and congratulate you for this space. I think it is very important to have uh, grandmothers or women of our age uh, sharing our experiences and thoughts about building peace justice and equality. Yes, we are living in a very, very hard situation right now in Nicaragua. We are living in a patriarchal authoritarian regime that has been generating a lot of killing. The couple in power who were involved in the revolution of the 79 of overthrowing Somoza dictatorship here in Nicaragua. And they are now in power doing terrible massacre in the country. Uh, since two months ago that the uprising started from students, they have killed more than 200 people and we have thousands of people injured. 
So yes, we are living a big insurrection, which is very important to pinpoint, but it is a pacifist civic insurrection fighting against the police and paramilitaries going all over the country, killing people and especially the young ones that have built barricades in their communities and cities and trying to defend themselves from these atrocities. We have various protagonists against the regime at this moment. Practically all the people of the different sectors in the country are fighting against this. This is a, a regime that even though they came into power through a uh, electoral process, it became into this uh, sort of dynasty power structure built on this couple that have nine kids that are all in place of power in government. And uh, what am I doing? I've been, I'm participating in different movement processes that are taking place. Uh, we have a feminist initiative, which I'm participating there. And also we have a broader initiative that brings together other sectors, peasants and workers and so on. And also in another initiative that is composed of men and women around my age that we have been meeting for quite some time in trying to do analysis. You've thought about and worked on these issues from the grassroots and as part of a new day, a new dawning in Nicaragua in the 70s. I wonder if I can ask you a personal question. It must feel terrible, frankly, to have been in that moment of idealism and hope for the future and to come to this point and have things fall apart the way they have. How do you feel about that? How do you deal with it now in your activism? Absolutely, Lena. I mean, it's uh, very painful it's very painful and it brings to my mind a lot of more questions about how do we go about it, really trying to do the social political transformations that we want to do. Yes, I was very much involved in the overthrow of the Somoza dynasty. I was very much convinced and very energetic about building justice and transforming the situation of Nicaragua. And we were very idealistic in building a new country. I participated uh, in the FSLN, which was uh, an organization that overthrew Somoza by arms, through arms arms. And that's one thing that I'm not in for at this moment in my life, you know, and that's why I think this uh, uprising that is taking place in Nicaragua is very important because it's a, it's a pacifist uprising that is taking place. And I got involved, as I mentioned, because I was convinced, you know, that we were really going to be able to change this, you know, to change the country. And it was a fantastic, incredible experience. And when Somoza left, all the governmental institutions were empty with nobody inside and just had to start from from nothing in building a new state. And you can imagine we were young ones around our 20s that were had been very focused on, on the insurrection, armed struggle and focusing more on that, on thinking on uh, how we were going to build the new government and build the necessary structures and definitions of policies that will really take us to our dream. And that's uh, one for me of the main lessons, you know, of all my experience, you know, that it is very important to think strategically and not only 
at the moment. Yes, it's been very hard from early moments during the Sandinista revolution in which I had the opportunity of participating in the three main locuses of power. I work in government, I work with the party structures, I work with the social movements since then. From the beginning, from the early beginning, my focus was on building what we called then popular power. So power has been on my mind from my years of participation struggles. And how do we transform the power relations that exist? I remember when I was young, a feminist and being raised by a feminist, one of the images that was a formulative part of my young life, and I'll never forget it, I had a postcard of a young woman, a Sandinista, with a gun. And I remember I was very challenged by that image. Think about how in different circumstances, women do choose to participate in different ways. And and in Nicaragua, it seems like there really were women like you who remained at the center. You talk about now how important it is that it is a pacifist struggle and that that's a deeply important change and perhaps even an evolution in your own thinking from the early days of the armed struggle. And I wonder if you can share with me how the experience you have, how has that brought you to this place now where you're challenging the very government that long ago you helped establish, although with a different idealism and a different vision, but you're challenging it in such a different way now. Okay, I think you're focusing on two issues, the violence versus pacifist uh, struggle and the role of women on all this. Um, Let me start by saying that during the Sandinista revolution in the 70s, women were for the overthrow of the Somoza dictatorship. And women participated in the struggle, but they mainly participated in subordinated roles, always limited where the big decisions were held. After the triumph in 79, the women, even though were put some of them in ministry positions, and so forth, they were controlled by the decisions of the leaders. And we had a a very horrible consigna, something that was constantly said here that uh, it was national direction uh, give us the order. You know, everybody had to respond to the order that the national directory of the FCLN will give us. And that's something that you see all over history. I mean, you have now at these uh, women that are subordinated to men's decisions. And even though we become visible in important spaces of power, we don't have the power of making very important decisions as men have. Though we have a very interesting situation at this moment in Nicaragua, because we have a woman vice president, even call herself at some moment in her life a feminist, who she made a, a bar with her husband. Uh, She bargained her daughter that was uh, violated by Daniel, you know, and uh, she came out and made it public and her mother just put her aside and said that she was going crazy. Hmm? So you have a woman at some moment called herself a feminist, a woman that is the power at this moment in this country. It's amazing. She's not in the back of Daniel, you know. She's the one that is mainly coming out public and people 
people that are close to her and know her are uh, very clear of her authoritarian and despotic way of making decisions along with her husband. So women's participation in this process has been, been very important, but I think we have to go deeper, you know, just what naming they have, you know, minister of this or minister of that, but what they're doing. For example, in Nicaragua, when we came into power, we had this women's movement that was called the Amlai. And I mean, the Amlai was like the subordinated wife of the party. And that's why a group of feminists in Nicaragua in the middle of the 80s separated from Amlai and started uprising against the domination of women in the party and so on. And we came out with the issue of women's autonomy. You know, I mean, you have a UN statistics that says at this moment that Nicaragua is one of the main countries that have the, the most women in political spaces of power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but what does this tell us? I mean, look what, what women we have in power. Women that have a patriarchal structure in their mind and ideology and so on. It's, it's the main issue for us feminists to look into. Now, in regards to violence and peace, Well, I've learned and I'm convinced now that we have the tremendous challenge of changing our weight of relating to others. I mean, we cannot continue with the violence that we live all over the world, starting with ourselves and within the family and within the other organizations out of the family in social life. I mean, we live in a in a moment that money making, egotism, lack of solidarity is just prevailing. I mean, I see this well over. You know, this violence that lead us to this individualism, which is completely contrary to what feminists want, what we sensible people want, you know, because there are enormous resources worldwide for all the people in the world to live comfortable. But no, you know, we have this enormous difference between rich countries and poor countries, between people that have incredible fortunes and people that are living with less than $1 a day you know I mean this is complete lack of justice and so we have the tremendous challenge of inventing open our minds to creative ways of coming about in changing this kind of violence that exists all over so I think a violent act generates another violent act that's where I am at this moment and, and I have learned it not only seen it worldwide but in my country with the political processes I know that you have five grandchildren, three girls and two boys. And for you, has becoming a grandmother changed or informed the way that you participate? You have a long history of of activism. Does it change anything? Of course, but I will mention that being a mother changed my life. I got involved into revolutionary process when I was in my early 20s. And at 21 years, I already had three of my children. I had married very young, following the social mandates of my class and my society. You know, that women at that time were just to have kids and to be 
happy with your marriage and make the men happy. And I had my children, my first three kids, and as I mentioned, I had to, I was 21. I come from an, a middle upper class, and I've always, since I was in school, have done social work. And when I had my kids, I would go and do social work at hospitals and so on. And I, I was always very tormented with the way I lived and the way that others lived. Because of that, you know, of the, that practice in my life, I became very conscious about injustice and decided to change my life. I separated from my husband that kind of life with my three kids and decided that I wanted to become involved in political action. I left my big house and cars and so on and went to live in a lower class neighborhood and started then there, you know, learning about revolutions. And when I got involved with the FSLN, me in the middle of the 70s, I had a lot of time that I had to travel and so on because I was in charge of the international work with one of the tendencies of the FSLN. And my kids were left with my mother. But for me, my kids were the inspiration for all this. You know, I want to build a different world for them. And ironically, when my kids grow older, they have told me they felt that they were abandoned by me. Some of them, not all of them. I focus all my life in having this uh, good relationship with them and building the solidarity about themselves. I concentrated on always maintaining that closeness. I feel very proud to say and feel that I did a good work, is that all my kids have incredible values. Actually, we just lost uh, a month ago my son-in-law, that was the husband of my younger daughter. He died in this political process that we're living right now. He was uh, an excellent documentalist. And, oh, uh, my goodness. Been do- yes, and he was doing a documentary of these horrible metal trees that Rosario Murillo has built all over the city. And uh, as a symbol, this uh, new Pacific insurrection is throwing out down the trees. And he was filming that. And... Uh, he died, one of the, yes, this was just a month ago. And uh, so, yes, I feel very proud to say that uh, my kids all and have incredible values. And for the grandchildren, they are the continuation of this. I mean, all my kids are very uh, political and the grandchildren. I mean, I have two granddaughters that are eight and nine and they call themselves feminists. They're constantly (laughs) reading about it, talking to me about it. I mean, I talk to them in the Skype and, and they, the first thing they, they start asking me, how are things coming along in Nicaragua? That keeps me moving. I feel very proud you know, mm-hmm. just to see that this seed has been planted and I can see it in, in all of them, you know. And it was the hard work, you know, in doing my political work, being involved in all this and at the same time looking after my family and trying to reconciliate that tension and for me, it has spelled me, it has helped me tremendously to understand power as a relation that I want to change in the three spaces that power relations take place. One space is what I call the intimate space of power relations, which has to do with the relation of power that I have within my mind. It's a constant struggle and challenge to change the mandates, historical, cultural mandates that I have of being a subordinated woman. Right. And 
recognizing my errors. And really, this saying about mistakes can be an opportunity for learning. Everybody talks about that, but I mean, it's, it's sort of a really great challenge to really look into all the tremendous errors that we have made in our lives. For example, the errors that we made during the Sandinist revolution in the 80s is incredible and that we keep on making. So I think it's very important, the transformation of the self is is where everything starts, taking care of our bodies, to work with our mind, read and uh, be informed. And of course, with all our feelings and attitudes and so on, that we have to be constantly transforming. For me, transforming power relations implied all these challenges as well. It's a real, it's a real piece around accountability. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, in a very tragic way, it speaks so deeply to what's going on in the country right now. A complete lack of accountability. Complete, you know, and uh, my worry at this moment is what is going to come next. I'm convinced that even though we're probably going to have a lot of more uh, killing and a lot of uh, young ones are going to die, you know, that this government is going to change and for me, the big question is how are we going to come about in building something different? Because, Ilana, if we look at history, worldwide, we've always had three main power structures. The governmental structure, mm-hmm. the religious structures, and the economic structures that they have always come about together somehow in alliance, thinking that they're making transformation because the people come about and push toward transformation and so forth. But again, all these three powerful instances get control. And what we have seen worldwide is that after all falling of regimes, of empires or revolutions, always so far, we have the same exercise of power of some people crushing others. And how do we come about in changing that? And of course, women have an incredible saying in all this. We have been on the front line of many, many of these struggles right now at this moment in Nicaragua. It's amazing how women come right in front of the francotiradores and this uh, police just come right in front and with no arms saying just leave, go. But again, I think we have to look into how we're going to continue and enrich our role in building more democratic societies is the constant thought in my mind, you know. (laughs) Absolutely. It makes sense, especially in this moment. And, And it's so painful to hear you say with such conviction that there will be more death before this comes about. And I'm just horrified and and sad to hear of the tragedy of the loss of your own son-in-law and to think that there will be more young lives lost uh, before change comes about and the cost of transformation being so high. And I wonder if you can tell me a little bit more about the role that women are playing and older women too, because there are many women of your age who have lived through this in a different time, in a different form already and are now coming back around in in this tragedy loop that you're talking about where these dictatorships reassert themselves. What do you think it will mean in the country as this terrible time unfolds that there are so many women who are now involved in a pacifist resistance? The ones that are heading this insurrection in Nicaragua at this moment are the young ones. The universities, the students, 
are the ones that really started this massive insurrection. And after the government declared that the uh, social security program was going to be changed and the insurance that their grandparents received was going to be held. And also they had their own problems within the university autonomy and university student groups that had been co-opted by the Ortega regime. They are the ones that have been heading this insurrection. And little by little, the whole society, peasants groups that have been very active for more than five years now in the country and headed by a peasant woman, an incredible leader, Doña Francisca, all these different groups have built sort of a collusion to continue with this insurrection to overthrow Ortega and, and Rosario. And in this moment, the women my age that have participated for so many years, we are participating in these different groups that I mentioned, and we supported a new initiative of mothers of the kids that have been killed. You know, there is a movement now of mothers of dead ones. I don't know how you say this in English, you know, like the Plaza de Mayo in Argentina. Yes. In Argentina. yes sure. Okay, so we have supporting that. We support uh, with our ideas. I did participate in some march uh, lately, but I have a hip problem, so I cannot be marching as I used to do when I was okay. there, you know. So mm-hmm. actually, and when I talk to grandmothers here, well, we do our sex exercise and we try to keep fit and whatever, but we get tired now. It's not the same energy. So sure. we do what uh, we can do, you know, making documents in participating in meetings, giving ideas, raising money uh, and so on. That's what grandmothers were doing. And we're directly connected with the young ones because that idea of, I don't know how you say this in English, relevo, which means like the young ones are going to be, is going to come and take your place and you just go and go to the house, you know, and right. relax. I mean, that's not our idea here, you know, right. how we want to keep on the years that we, we got left in our life. I cannot see myself just uh, sitting on a chair or I don't know, doing what, you know, knitting or whatever, you right. know. I think that's important and I think that's very nice and definitely I, I try to balance my life nowadays. My spirit and my enthusiasm drives me like I want to do this, I want to do that and that but then my, my body is telling me forget it you know (laughs) right that's not you cannot do it because I start getting busy so I gotta cope with reality you know I'm maintaining sort of a balance yes I'm learning to cook you know (laughs) trying to do that I'm going back to my piano which I had left keeping and in contact with the with the new generations that are the ones that are moving and are leading all this change in my country at this moment and one dream that I have in regards to this grandmother role and so on I think what you're doing is really fantastic and uh, I really appreciate it. And for me, my big dream is to be able to meet in with, and I've been doing it with young ones and young women and just telling our stories and yes. just changing ideas. And I keep on learning constantly from my grandchildren, from my daughters and sons. It's a constant struggle to break structures of thought. That's for me something that I am very much interested in doing 
in the rest of my life, having the opportunity of creating spaces where grandmothers can meet and have chats with young ones. I mean, that's for me, my big aspiration at this moment. Whatever questions they have, you know, to be able, based on my experience, say what I can say or tell me you what you think about this and to move from there. You know, I always question myself about this problem, I think, that we have that history is constantly repeating itself, you know. I mean, and I think it got to do with part with this problem of lacking of interchange and connections of old ones with young ones. It's exactly what I was thinking as you're speaking, which is that... Yeah. How I do mean, you how do you break these cycle and these yeah. this repetition of mistakes and part of it surely part of it must be that those who have lived through these experiences and gone through their own transformations pass on these learnings to young people who are coming up in these movements uh, that there's an enormous yeah. amount of knowledge and and wisdom and experience and self-reflection that I hear grandmothers engaging in that is invaluable it's absolutely invaluable if things are going to change. Yes, and but that leads us to the importance of the of of the roles of mothers. I mean the kind of education that we give to our children. I mean we women have an incredible role in transforming the patriarchal actions and way of behaving with our kids, which is exciting. Yes. But yeah. Yes. Uh, it's just, it's the next chapter of hard work that has to be done. Yes. And yeah. uh, at this moment, I'm working with Just Associate as an advisor. I'm founder of this organization and we built this organization more than 10 years ago and it's worldwide. I'm very excited with it. And we have been focusing on building women's movement and women's empowerment. And in that space, I've been mainly focusing on all the theme of power. I love how Just Associates works with young women and works with women who have been building movements, women's movements for a long, long time uh, and has built into it this intergenerational dimension. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, Malena, if we can end this way to come back to the the situation that that you're living in and a part of in Nicaragua. There are a lot of grandmothers around the world who will listen to this conversation that we're having. And what would you say to them in this moment as we all sit and watch and hope and worry? Well, I think that at this moment in Nicaragua, we need grandmothers and everybody, you know, to understand more what is happening in Nicaragua because we need all this solidarity possible to get these people out of the country. I think we have to do a tremendous news work and hope that soon the delegations, international delegations come to the country and start seeing inside just what is really happening. I mean, this is just a massacre. Just a a few days ago, a whole family was, was burned in their home. And that kind of things are taking place at this moment in Nicaragua. And grandmothers in Nicaragua and mothers in Nicaragua are coming together and just denouncing these atrocities and uh, asking for solidarity worldwide. And I think that grandmothers have an enormous saying in authority with their kids and in conscious raising about injustice. I mean, one of the strategies that we're trying to develop here is talking to the grandmothers and mothers of the police and these killers that are assassinating in the country, that they could go to their mothers and grandmothers and sensibilize them 
trying to have their sons change their actions of what they're doing. We have to really think of what kind of world we're living then. There's no question in my mind as we listen to you that there are many, many, many of us standing with you, Elena, and with the struggle that's unfolding. I hope that, uh, as I know you do, that it comes to the right resolution quickly so that fewer people will suffer. And I cannot thank you enough for taking the time. I know that you are deep within it. And uh, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your taking the time to share it with us and to share your wisdom with us. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Lana, and, and uh, whatever else I can do for you and, and your excellent project, just let me know. No, it would be a pleasure for me, Lana. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.